the first uh, market update recording. We've been I've been previously doing these on webinars, and just after some feedback and realization that that is just too challenging for clients to make a specific time on a webinar. Um, so I'm just going to be doing these recording, uh, these videos, and then sending them out to you. Um, and we'll be doing them once a month. So that way it kind of keeps you updated and try to keep you informed on what's happening in the market and, and, and my take. And, um, and then just, just so you can have that education piece and just kind of, you know, know from, from my perspective, what I would say is going on. So, um, yeah, this is just to keep you informed again, we'll be doing a monthly and, um, Yes. Talk about what's going on. So let's always start here with just who Sela is. Um, so Sela was founded in 2019 uh, with a goal of bringing confidence and organization to people's financial life through education, stewardship, and empowering wise decision making. So that is one of the points of this um, market update loom. It's just for you to keep that education and understanding of what's happening so you can have that good decision making with what's happening in markets. Um, a holistic wealth management and planning firm located in California, but serving clients nationwide. So if you are not a client and you're listening to this and you are not in California, don't worry. Um, I do have clients outside of California and other states as well. And um, I serve mostly millennials, families in all life stages and retirees. Um, so just a little bit about myself and the business here. Um, so what we're going to do today is just a quick a market update, which always, um, I kind of always include just a quick look, call it a quick look of where the market is right now. Um, and what's been happening lately year to date, look at those numbers. Um, we're gonna talk about markets after rate hikes. You have been inundated and talking constantly about rate hikes and inflation. So we've talked a lot about, okay, what happens during rate hikes in markets, but now we're gonna talk about what happens after. Um, because we're, we're maybe starting to turn that corner and then, um, cash on the sidelines and what's going on there and what that means for you and maybe your portfolio and all of that. So, all right, here's this quick look. Um, let's look here. We have the S and P 500 year to date, um, return of 14.05%. Um, here at the top here, you have the NASDAQ, um, with a return of 27.03%, uh, year to date. And then you have the Dow Jones lagging well behind uh, both of those. These are not the highs. Um, if you've listened to other webinars before, you know these numbers have been a little bit higher. We're at least a few percentage points now off the highs for both the S&P and the NASDAQ for year to date. Um, if you look down here, the reason, you know, that's those are those uh, markets uh, indexes are performing better would be for, you know, this information technology and um, communication services, 38, 34.83% and 40.45%. Um, both doing pretty well year to date so far after a really, really rough year last year. Um, but again, like I said, off their highs uh, of where they have been previously for this, uh, for this year. But as you can see, weekending, and I'm sorry, I should have said at the beginning, this is as of last week, as of last Friday, 922. So um, this is not current as of I'm recording this on 927 today, Wednesday. Um, this is uh, this chart is as of last Friday, but you can see as of last week, weekending was down 2.77% um, in the S&P and the NASDAQ down almost 3.62% uh, last year, last week. And uh, unfortunately more this week as there's just been some more volatility as people are still digesting rate hikes and inflation and all of that. So markets after rate hikes, um, <laughs> I feel like it, it's felt like a long time getting to this point of like what happens after the rate hike. We've been talking about so much of what happens during rate hikes and we've 
felt and seen now last year um what happens especially during rate hikes we had both equities and bonds down um and fixed income down in the same year because of the rate hikes so that was real fun um so now we're like okay what's happening after what can we get to that next phase right so um you have uh you know i wanted to show you this chart um what happens after the fed ends their rate hikes um so this is after this is uh this chart is showing you uh the last four cycles the last four times we've gone through uh raising rates, um, do the fed hiking rates, uh, what has happened in the one year following the final fed hike and the five years following the final fed hike. Um, and notice the important thing on here that this is not saying after the first fed cut, this is actually after the final fed hike. So, um, something to know and remember about markets. And if you've talked to me, you know, I will remind you often that markets are a forward facing, um, it's a forward-facing being. It is looking eight months plus out into advance in the future and assessing what's happening. What that's what it's investing. That's what it's looking to um, when when the markets are going up and down. So um, it, it doesn't. It will react to day to day to new information, um, obviously. But it's really how that information is is affecting its future. Um, and so. A lot of times people are very surprised by this, that the market actually goes up so much. So you see the S&P 500 index, 16.2% fall in the year, in the first year following the final Fed hike. But people are like, but not when they're cutting rates, it's actually when the final hike. Well, that's because there's finally certainty in the market again. The market knows the Feds are done raising rates. Um, we're past that point and we're going to move into this new cycle and it's looking forward. So that's always surprising for people to understand that it's, it's after the fed hike. Um, but that is an important thing to note that if you kind of wait till the first fed cut, um, with some different investing strategies, you're going to, you're going to miss out on a lot. A lot of it happens after that first uh, fed hike. So here you go here, 16.2% Bloomberg U S aggregate index, 10.1%, uh, 14.2% on a 60, 40 blend. So shining, showing you like a, you know, your normal kind of balanced, uh, portfolio for a lot of people. And then a 4.7%, um, on a U.S. three month T-bill. Um, and then you have the five years following the final fed hike. So a lot of that growth is in that first year, the years following aren't bad, but a, a big amount in that first year. So that's really important to remember and to consider. Um, so just some key takeaways. Um, no one knows when the fed is, will stop raising interest rates. Um, we don't have that crystal ball. We don't know that, but we both, but we do know that both the market and the fed itself project key policy rate to peak near current level. So we know we're almost there. May there be another rate hike. There might be depending on how inflation numbers look, but we know we're almost there. We've gone through the worst of it. We're about to turn that corner. Um, we know that the fed is hawkish on how long rates will need to stay elevated. We heard him, um, talk about that last week in his meeting. Um, you know, he's not going to give any concrete answers. A lot of it is going to depend on the data. They don't know exactly when they'll start being able to, uh, lower those interest rates, but the projection are, uh, that the decline of around hundred basis points by the end of 2024. So by the end of next year, um, about, uh, you know, hundred basis points, uh, rate lower. So 1% lower, um, than where it currently is. So that would mean by the end of next year, people think that that, uh, the, the rate decline will start to happen. Uh, rates will start to be lowered. Um, could it be before that? Maybe, probably not. Um, but we, again, we don't know when that last rate hike will come. All of this is data dependent and it really does depend on what that's looking at, uh, or what happens there. But 
this is kind of the base projection of where uh, people see this falling. Um, and history has showed us that cash has decayed when Fed hikes end. So in the 18 months after Fed ended hikes, in the last four cycles, um, yields on cash-like investments have traditionally decayed very rapidly, um, with a three-month treasury yield falling an average of 2.5%. Um, that that and that's in that first 18 months. So that happens pretty quickly, and that's something that's you know important to consider. Um, and these things happen again, like I was saying before, they happen after the last rate hike, not after the first cut. Um, so we see big changes in that market after that last rate rate hike, um, which is good news for us because we are almost there, and that would be nice after the market being you know feel like it's going sideways for forever. Um, so what about cash on the sidelines? What does this mean for cash on the sidelines? Or you, maybe you've heard people talk about there is a ton of cash on the sidelines. So what, um, yeah, what, what, you know, what's going on there and, and what does this all mean? Um, so I wanted to show you this chart here. Um, this is the ICI money market fund assets in trillions. And I just want to show you what's happening here. So you see different cash peaks in different market environments. So if you look back to the financial crisis, um, 2007, 2009, you see a cash peak of January 9th, 2009. That is finally when cash peaked in money markets. Um, uh, only a couple months actually before the S&P um, trough, before the, before the low in the market, which was uh, March 9th of 2009. So you see that cash peak right before that bottom in the market. Um, for the pandemic, uh, you actually see very still closely correlated and close together, but you see the bottom of the market first before that cash peak and then a, a decline in cash. And that's here, the very rapid decline in cash after that cash peak and that market bottom. Um, so here we don't know where this cash peak is yet. And this is actually as of, um, this is actually, this chart is of, as of August 11th. Um, but as of September 6th, cash has hit that 5.6 trillion mark. So um, a little higher than this chart shows here. So we don't know where the cash peak is yet because obviously we're not on the other side of this, but we do know that shortly after, shortly around a cash peak and a bottom in the market, um, and we don't know, you know, the bottom so far was October of last year. Um, and so this could be a little bigger gap maybe between the cash peak and the bottom of the market um, than these last ones show or if we have more volatility to come to get that bottom. But the reality is, is that cash peak happens in that bottom of, uh, near that bottom of the market. And then there's a quick decline in cash after that. Um, and we understand that, right? We understand that why in volatile markets are people fleeing to cash? Uh, one, especially right now, we had interest rates going up and yields higher. So people are fleeing to cash because um, it's an attractive investment. I mean, they've been able to get, you know, if I'm getting five or 6% in my uh, high yield savings account, that's great. I'd rather do that than be in this market that just doesn't seem to be doing much of anything. Um, and again, for this year, the market has done, you've seen on the chart, 14.05% S&P, that's, that's decent, but it's just, it's felt that way, right? It's just felt like a lot of back and forth. And so everyone's waiting for just a final kind of like turnaround to move beyond this. Um, and so cash feels like a place to be for now. Um, or it's just, if you have a lot of a future uncertainty in the market, like there's just still a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of concerns that clients have that I talk to, um, that people have that I talk to that are like, well, I don't, don't know where this is going. This feels like it's going to get worse before it gets better. And so I want to be in cash. So 
you know, that's a, it's, it's fear-based, but it's also, it seems like an attractive investment. Um, but then the problem becomes right when you're heavy in cash, if you have moved a lot of money into money market, um, or high yield savings or something like that, cash like investment, the problem becomes how and when do you get out? Because we see these are rapid declines afterwards after those bottoms and, and you know, people normally when they're getting into cash, it's for that safety, but they're like, they like to time the market. They're trying to like, well, let me go here for a little while get this 5% and then we'll move back when the market turns around. Okay. So let's look at that. So here, um, total returns after the troughs, like what has happened previously in the S and P. Okay. Uh, during the global financial crisis in the three months after the trough of March 9, 2009, the market had a return of 40% after the pandemic and the three months after the trough of uh, March 23rd, 2020, um, 41%. Okay. Then you look at six month returns, 55% and 46%. That's a lot, right? That's, those are really big returns. And I get it. The decline was steep before that. So it's just making it, trying to make its way back. But that's a, those are big jumps in the market right after cash peaks, right after troughs. So, um, if you are in cash and you're trying to time your way back into that, you could miss a lot of that by what we just talked about. Um, a lot of people are, they're going to, you know, like if you're trying to do this yourself, you're like, I'm staying in cash until I see the first rate cut. Well, you're late at that point. You've already missed a lot of these returns that have come back into the market. If you wait till that first rate cut. Um, so it actually happens earlier than you think. Um, and so it, it always comes back to the points I just want to make with you today. It always comes back to, again, you'll hear me say it over and over again, that it is time in the market, not timing the market. And that will historically that has won, um, over time, time in the market, not timing it. Okay. But here's the problem. I'm already in cash. So now I have to time it, right? This is you, you already put a lot in cash and now you are timing it. So, um, what are, you know, how, how, what's the strategy around that? Um, and you know, with the fed, with, with what we know that the fed is going to start cooling things here soon, because we're getting to that, we're getting to those peak, uh, fed funds rate. We know things are going to start to change. So we know that. And then we know the market has really quick rebounds. So we just looked at that. We just talked about that market has really quick rebounds. Um, and actually the biggest days in the market often come at the bottom. And if you miss those big days, you miss out on a huge percent of the return for that year. So the opportunity cost is really high by staying in cash. You can have your, your opportunity cost is really high. It's great right now. You have good yields, but when this market turns around, look at how much cash there is sitting on the sidelines. This is a very bullish, uh, contrarian signal for investors. It is, that is a ton of cash. At some point that cash is coming back in this market. And when this cash comes back into this market, this thing is turning around fast. Right? So that would be like, uh, we kind of talked a little bit. If you were at my client event, um, in Washington, we talked about how, uh, we talked about this bullish signal and we talked about, um, how capital group right now believes that, um, it will be a mild, you know, if we hit that recession, it's a milder than normal recession, but a very quick recovery. This is something they're looking at of why they think it's a quick recovery because there is so much cash sitting on the sidelines, ready to go back into this market. That is going to boost this thing up pretty quickly when we start to get some good news. Um, 
Okay, so if this is you, you have a lot in cash, you're not really quite sure to how to get back into the market, I would say a few tips that I would want to, um, you know, kind of point out to you. So one, I would say you need to really revisit your goals. Um, revisit what your your long-term goals are. So not your short-term, what, what are your long-term goals for your investments and for your money? You need to revisit that. You need to figure that out. Um, if you haven't even done it yet, you need to figure it out. Um, uh, because if you're, if you are young and your long-term goals, you need trying to retire at a certain age or, um, or whatever your goals may be, it would probably make a lot more sense in most cases that you get this money out of cash and you get it back into the market because you, you can't afford really to, uh, lose out on, um, beginning of markets that, that may make sense to you. So you really need to visit, you really need to revisit your goals. Um, and, and, and take a look at that. And I would say also take a look at your risk tolerance. So readjust or reassess your risk tolerance. If you have moved very heavy money market and very heavy cash, you're going to be very more than likely, unless you're an incredibly conservative investor, you're going to be out of whack in your risk tolerance because uh, cash is so uh, conservative and that's going to play a role and, and change your long-term outco uh, outcome on your money in the long run. So I would say reassess your risk tolerance and, and see if you're out of whack. Like you're, because you have so much cash, you should be invested closer to, if you work with me, you have risk numbers, you should be invested close to like to a 75, but you're a 55 because you have so much cash. That's going to really take an effect, a long-term effect on your portfolio. You need to re, you know, do some rebalancing to get yourself back to um, your overall risk category that you should be in for what your long-term goals are. And then, um, you know, I would say things like, um, depending on how much you have, you might want to consider like dollar cost averaging back out of cash into the market. So you're not trying to time it at a specific time, but you know that this, you know, after rate hikes, um, there's all this growth historically. Um, we don't know if that will happen again, but historically that's what it's happened in, in the past. So, um, that's what we can hope to, to happen next. And so, okay, let's start dollar cost averaging this month, this much every month to get back in, um, in case it's investing your cash. Maybe it's like 10% per month you're putting over the next 10 months that you're putting back into the market just to take that pressure off of trying to time this thing. Um, uh, but there are strategies and ways that I would recommend that you start getting this back in. And if you don't know that, then reach out and let's have a conversation about it and figure out what makes most sense for you. Um, but definitely time to consider a rebalance if you've gotten heavy in cash, um, just based off the numbers and based off what I've shown you, what has happened in markets following bottoms, um, which have come really near cash peaks, um, that it, it may be time to, you know, the opportunity cost, it may be too great for you to stay in cash. Um, and, and I, I understand investing is, can be so emotional, um, and so hard to separate your emotions from, uh, data and, and historical markets and, and things that we look at. And that is why I like to keep these charts in front of you and why I like to give you these market updates. Um, to kind of help give you a different perspective on what I'm looking at, um, what, you know, analysis is out there, of uh, what we can try, hope to be expecting in these future markets rather than trying to, um, if you don't have this perspective, then you're often going to make emotional decisions about your money, which is what we want to try to stay away from as investors because, um, like I said, mark, market is forward facing. So your emotional decisions are going to be late. They're always going to be late. Um, you're going to be reacting to what you see the market doing 
rather than what you know should be coming in the market. So um, that's what I wanted to show you today. I hope that is helpful. Again, reach out if you have any questions. Um, oh, I forgot about this, I'm sorry. So kind of the case for deploying cash. Um, in equities, I want to show like if you're deploying, we kind of said how to get it rebalanced um, back in, maybe dollar costing averaging out of cash. Um, but this is kind of the case for equities versus bonds. And again, this is going to depend on your uh, risk tolerance. So it's not really a one or the other, but actually where you're out of balance is what we would need to look at. But um, to get back into equities, the case for that is, you know, a balanced strategy could be more attractive for more cautious investors. Uh, a balanced fund tends to hold more defensive positions in dividend paying stocks and high quality bonds, which is why you may want to get into equities after from your cash. Um, dividend, dividends have had an important impact on long-term portfolio outcomes and dividend payers across a range of sectors have contributed to total return over time. Um, dividends can be a real good friend during down, uh, you know, when markets are volatile and down, you still get those consistent dividends as well. Um, and, and many investors may not hold enough dividend payers. So like if, if this is something you don't have enough in your portfolio, now it's time to make, maybe deploy cash towards this to rebalance you better into more dividend equities. Um, but maybe you need to deploy into more bonds. So, you know, bonds have historically benefited as the Fed ended its rate hiking cycle with the best returns coming in the months leading up, up to the months leading up to catch that and immediately following the last rate hike. So, um, that is when bonds have done uh, really well. Investors who waited for the Fed to cut missed a good portion of the results. So like I said a few times in this uh, market update is, is you don't wait for the market to, to happen. Um, because when you wait for the Fed and you wait for that first cut, you're gonna miss a lot. Um, so investors should consider redeploying cash to bonds as the Fed shifts to normalize um, the, econ the, the economic environment. So that is, um, you know, something you could consider. And a lot of this is going to depend more on where you are out of balance in your portfolio, which is something we can take a look at, but, um, that's kind of the case for each of those. Um, so just a little bit about LPL. Um, I am independent. Um, and that's why you see my DBA as sailor portfolios and planning, but my, uh, broker dealer that I go through is LPL financial. Um, uh, let's go private ledger is what that stands for. Um, uh, um, LPL is the largest independent broker dealer in the U S um, there are no proprietary products that LPL has. So they don't have their own funds that they want me to sell to you. Um, which means that I am able to be a true fiduciary to you, um, as the client and always act in your best interest of what investments are better for you. Um, not what maybe would pay me as our, in other situations. So they are independent, no proprietary products. Um, you see there about some SIPC insurance and protection for you when you are with LPL and um, security my securities registration is held through LPL Financial. Um, and here are some just disclosures from LPL. Um, again, something to remind you is that uh, historical markets does not mean what is going to happen. So what don't ever take that what I'm showing you, what has happened previously means it will happen again, but we can look at it. Just one thing we can do with investing is look historically, this is what has happened in the past. So it's a good, um, you know, expectation that we could hope to be coming for us, um, you know, around the corner and then ways to get in touch with me. If you have more questions or if you're interested in working together, my email, my office phone number, website, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube channel, and, uh, the confident dollar podcast, which I'm kind of covering up there, but, um, 
that is another place that I put educational content on there for you um, to just stay updated um, just with different topics, uh, financial literacy topics um, as well. So hope you guys all have a good rest of your day. I hope this was helpful to you in trying to have a overview, comprehensive overview of what's happening in the market um, right now. Let me know if you have any questions or anything you would like me to address in uh, future uh, market updates and uh, we'll talk soon. All right, thanks. Lauren Gage is a registered representative with and securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. There is no assurance that the techniques and strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. The purchase of certain securities may be required to affect some of the strategies. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal.